What's up, everybody? We got a new sponsor to the Random Rounds with Rob podcast. And um, if you're a professional wrestling fan, uh, particularly AEW and the like, you know this brand by name. And the product that I'm talking about is Blue Chew. Yeah. yeah I know you're going to look at me with the side eye and everything. You're talking about, really, B-Rob? This is what we're doing? This is what we're peddling on the show. And I, and I know it's um, a weird topic and everything. And it's subject to talk about a little bit taboo and everything. Because no man want to admit that he has a problem and whatnot. But Blue Chew is here to help you solve said problem. I know you heard of the other names, Viagra, Cialis, and everything. This has the same FDA-approved ingredients as those two that I just mentioned, and it works up to two times faster because it's in chewable form. It's made right here in the U.S. of A., and it ships directly to your front door. You, you ain't got to go to the pharmacy, you ain't got to see no doctor, nothing. you ain't got to deal with none of that awkward stuff. Once again, you know, a lot of us don't want to admit that we have a problem. But if you want to take advantage of this offer and this partnership with Blue Chew, you need to go to bluechew.com. That's B-L-U-E, chew.com and use the promo code RANDOM. And that first shipment is free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Here we go. You are now listening to Random Rambling with Rock. Yay! What up, everybody? This is your boy, B-Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Rambles with Rob podcast. Before, I thank you, the listener, and you, the new listener who may be tuning in to this edition of the show. I must, you know, send out a very special happy birthday to the brothers and sisters in the Marine Corps. Today, as we record, is November 10th, 2019. It is the 244th birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Um, so hopefully right now you, you're drinking big, you know, responsibly and safety. But, you know, I know how Marines are. So <laughs> please have your battle buddy close by and please have your battle buddies, battle buddies close by because, you know, if I, I can't stress enough just to be safe this weekend. And it's not a coincidence that the Marine Corps was founded in 1775 and not too long after that in 1776, uh, we gained our independence. So, I mean, you know, people might draw conclusions and, you know, but I think it's a coincidence that you know, the Marine Corps was formed and then the United States got their independence. So, you know, we kick ass, we take names, we, we, we do all those things unto pertaining. But um, once again, happy birthday to the men and women of the United States Marine Corps on this special day. Now, Back to you, the listener. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you're a new listener, I'd like to thank you all so much for giving my show a try. And if somebody referred you to me, I will kindly ask that you give that person that referred you to me a crisp high five if you're in that general vicinity. But if not, use your sursal. Uh, God damn, I'm getting over a cold, so I'm going to be slurring some words. You're going to hear some extra slav and spit and shit. So... Get your social media app of choice, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, or whatever have you, and send that person a DM or a person, uh, some kind of other message and be like, thank you for recommending this man to me. The Random Rambles of Rob seems like it'll be a fit for my podcast and schedule and the things that I listen to, and um, send them that virtual crisp high five. That was a lot for me to say, but speaking of social media, 
You can follow this show on Twitter at 3R Show. You can follow this show on Instagram using the hashtag 3R Show or the hashtag Walmart Log. You can find it on Facebook. Just search 3R Show on the Random Rounds with Rob. And you can find a whole list of things unto pertaining on randomrobcast.com. Stick around. If, if you haven't heard it at the top of the hour, you're going to hear it at the end of the show as well. Got a new sponsor affiliated. Um, it could be a good combo to pair with the current sponsor of Hooks, Rubs, and Spices. If you go to Etsy.com and use promo code 3RSHOW, you can get 10% off your order and uh, put some delicious seasonings on your uh, your foods and whatnot. Thanksgiving coming up. It's coming pretty fast, and you're going to want to put some of that uh, smoky sweetness on your turkey and whatnot, and all your other vegetable tables, and your, I don't know about sweet potato pie, I don't know if you want to put seasoning on that, but it's a thought, you know, you could do that, but, whew, rambled all that out, got all the business out of the way, and now I have a guest <laughs> joining me here on this edition of the show, a, once again, a special edition of the show is the Marine Corps birthday, November 10th. And tomorrow's Veterans Day, which is not another coincidence because Marines are going to have a hearty time today and they're going to need that federal holiday to recover and um, get sober and whatnot so they can go back to work Tuesday and whatnot the day after. So joining me is an actress, a writer, a fellow podcaster and a very, very, very busy person, which I'm surprised after that long winded intro of mine, she stuck around because I know she got 10, 20, 30 you know, projects she got to do and shit. But uh, joining me on this edition is one Miss Lindsay Gray. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm out of breath because I said a lot of <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, my I got a slight headache from this cold. My nose stuffed up and I just rattled off a lot of shit with no notes. So that's that's how I'm doing right now. Well, it was phenomenal. I give you an A plus two thumbs up. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm getting grades and everything. I, I wish I got those grades when I was in school for real. <laughs> but thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me and whatnot. And um, we got a couple of things to talk about. I know you are not. You are an actress and you, you are living the life that I, I kind of envisioned for myself um, a long time ago. You know, it, it's kind of still, you know, floating around. Somewhere, if the opportunity presented itself to me, I would take it. But you being um, getting all these different roles and a lot of um, these different series and movies and whatnot, you got some upcoming stuff with uh, Wonder Woman 84. You got some uh, things going on with the new Walking Dead spinoff that's coming out. You have um, your first role was the Jackal with freaking Bruce Willis. Before I even go further, what was that like? Uh, well, I was. I was like 12. Uh, well, technically, I was 11 when we filmed. And so it was my first time being on set. I was obsessed with, you know, acting. I took drama in school. And so I begged my parents to let me do this. And, and they said, sure. And it was actually filmed right down the street from the house that I grew up in. So it was really neat. Um, yeah, Bruce Willis was super sweet. Um I mean, I didn't get a chance to like, you know, really connect with him or anything. Plus, I was 11. So I was like, "Ooh, pretty lights kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, I got the acting bug right then and there. I was like, I am hooked. 
now uh, you, you had your role in it or whatnot, but how much of the, um, you know, the making of the film were you actually allowed to absorb, you know, to just sit around and check it out and whatnot? I mean, I was, I was allowed to, uh, being an extra, you, you get to see a lot of stuff. I mean, it's being an extra is a lot of hurry up and wait, hurry yes. up and wait. Um, because, you know, they put you in position and then they've got to get the camera right. They got to get the principal actors on set, uh, get them, cor- you know, right. It, it takes a lot of like time to get one like scene film. And so like, I got to see a lot. I, you know, you're standing around, you're kind of just, do 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 you get to see like all of like the crew members run past you several times i mean a lot of them you know ran around like their chickens you know with the heads cut off so it was just it was fascinating to me i just i got such an appreciation for every job on a set not just principal actors but uh the second team um the crew uh, background and the crew, including PAs. I mean, everybody's job on a set is super important and none of them are easy. Yeah. I, and I can see that you've done these interviews uh, quite a few times because that was going to be part of the question that you kind of answered just now to where who are the unsung heroes, you know, in these makings of the films and whatnot. You just kind of listed them all off. Yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody has such an important you know, job, they think that the principal actors, you know, have it easy because, you know, they come in when everything's set up, they say their line and they walk off. And that's not the case. I mean, because you're having to say the same line sometimes, you know, over and over and over and over and doing the same scene, you know, for like a whole day. You know, sometimes your days can be 12, 14, 16 hours. So there's, like really everybody on set is an unsung hero. Um, the director, um, the even the PAs, like, you know, the production assistants. I mean, you know, they have to wrangle the background. They have to get everybody in place. And, you know, of course, they're wearing headsets and they're screaming at each other. And they're it, it's it's complete chaos. But I thrive in chaos. So that is why I love being on set. Who do you think has the hardest job behind the camera? Um, honestly, I think, I think everybody's job is equally difficult because everybody's job is different. I mean, you got the director who's, his ass is pretty much on the line to make sure that, you know, everything, you know, goes together. You have the producers that are making sure that, you know, everything is flowing together. You have the PAs that are trying to get background, you know, put in place. You have the principal actors who are trying to, you know, go okay what's my cue for this how am i feeling in this scene i mean i think i don't think there's one person that has a an easier job on set than the other i think everybody is equally difficult in their own right okay good to go um the walking dead spinoff that's coming out here i think next year sometime yes um just not even that how do you feel about the Walking Dead series as a whole? I've been one of the ones to watch it from episode one all the way up until current. And um, I didn't really get into too much of the fear of the Walking Dead and whatnot. But I appreciate that they're branching out and showing different elements of the um, universe, which um, one of the things that kind of drew me more into the Walking Dead in the beginning was um, the little web series they would do in between uh, the episodes and whatnot. And I thought that was a cool element to the show, but oh, absolutely! 
But what do you think about The Walking Dead as a whole from beginning to now? Um, I love it. I'm one of those people, I watched it, you know, first episode, and I'm like, of course, I'm a horror movie fanatic. I love horror movies. And I'm like, I want to be on this. I want to be a part of this one day. How do I get on this? And, you know, they filmed the original down in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm like, I don't care. I will move down there. I will go to Walker School. I don't care. I just want to be part of it. Well, when I found out that they were filming the third spinoff here in Richmond, I was like, I've got to do it. So, you know, being on set, you 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 network, you know, you learn people, people learn who you are and stuff like that. So I got a call one day from the casting director and she's like, hey, and I'm like, uh, hell yes, I want to be in this. She's like, I didn't even ask you. And I'm like, I don't care. I want to be in this. And she's like, okay. So it, it was just one of those things. It was really, really cool. And this one is is very different from the others. You, you know, you have the original Walking Dead, you know, where they it, it's following like this group of people, of course. I think it kind of lost a lot of people when um, Andrew Lincoln left. But, you know, with the three films coming up with him, I think that's going to kind of tie everything together. You know, you have Fear of the Walking Dead, which shows the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And then you have this one that I was on, which actually shows 10 years after the zombie apocalypse happened. And it focuses on the kids that were born into this, this world of zombies and they don't know anything else. So I think it's a kind of a different aspect and I I think it's really cool. And I'm just so excited to to see the first season of it. Word. And I kind of feel, you know, that the walking dead universe has just grown to be this different thing other than anything we've seen in a long time because you know not only are they doing spinoffs uh, but there's even talks i believe they talked about it um they're doing movies that's why rick isn't dead and you know spoilers for anybody but um he isn't dead and they uh, there was um talk about him doing actual films that would tie into the seasons and the series and whatnot yeah and I'm I'm super excited about those. There's going to be it's supposed to be three. Um, that could change at any given moment mm-hmm. because well, we all know how Walking Dead likes to just kind of you know oh you lo- really love this character well guess what die. they're going to die. <laughs> um, so we all know how the Walking Dead plays. We all know how they like to feed like they like to play on our emotions. So they say three movies. We're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> so. Which death hit you the hardest so far? Um, I would say, you know, and this is not a spoiler because if you haven't seen it, you've had plenty of time to see it. So at this point, it serves you right for not watching it. But I think, <laughs> um, I think Carl, really. Carl. 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 <laughs> yeah, Carl. I think Carl hit me the hardest because I was just like, wait a moment. Why? Like, no. I, I, I think that Carl hit me the hardest. And I think his death was not only very heroic for what exactly happened, but I also think it was needed to allow the rest of the group to go. However, I'm just going to let AMC know that if you kill off Daryl, you are going to have a mass hysteria of women like wanting to beat 
the executives up. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. just saying. And, you know, it, <laughs> um, just the way my mind works or whatever. I mean, you, you've been watching this since the beginning, like me, Daryl and Carol. You know, we've been, as my kid would say, we've been shipping this forever. And it looks like it might be coming back around or whatever. Because, I mean, spoilers, this is current shit I'm talking about now. So I'm giving you a little bit of leeway. Um, it don't look like uh, Ezekiel going to be sticking around too long. I wish Daryl and Carol would just screw and get it over with. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Come on. Like, you can't, you, you lead the man on and then you don't and then you do and then you don't. You know, just, it's the zombie apocalypse. What else are you going to do? Yeah. Well, and, and to, <laughs> you've been on the Delvin Cox show or whatever. So, you know, he asked you the five questions and whatnot. So, you, you you already told him your answers about the zombie apocalypse. He asked me those same questions when I was on there. And one of my items of choice to bring with me was some plan B because um, I ain't trying to repopulate, you know, too many of the people, you know, in the zombie apocalypse. But that was like, you know, that was on my mind because, I mean, what else do we have to do other than survive? Hey, <laughs> uh, you know, you got a great point. I mean, look at what happened to Lori. I mean, she gave birth and. Had to she die. died. She had to die. Uh, so one of my items I have to say was deodorant because I cannot, mm-hmm. I cannot like imagine. I can't imagine actually what people, how people smell mm-hmm. like, and that would like, and, and I'm very sensitive to like scents and everything. And I'm just like, dude, I don't care if we're in a zombie apocalypse. I don't care if there's not a shower around. You got some BO going on. Here you go. Yeah, so you would have died on the plane that I was on that I was telling you about earlier with the people with the breath. <laughs> yes, I would have. I would have. See, and I have a hard time. I don't have a filter sometimes, and so it gets me in trouble. And I would be like, "Look, I've got some Tic Tacs and I've got some gum in my purse. Would you like a piece? Because your breath kicking like Jackie Chan." <laughs> Now, even on the topic of breath and you being an actor or whatnot, so, so there's a lot of scenes to where you got to get in close and, you know, share that dialogue or whatever. Has there ever been an instance between takes to where, like, you had to pull somebody to the side and had that conversation? Actually, I have been very fortunate to not have that conversation with somebody. Oof. So so what, what would that be like if you had to venture down that path? I don't know. I'd probably it, it would it would be in a heat of a moment kind of thing, but it'd probably be like, look, we got a kiss in the scene or you have to be all up in my face. And I'm not trying to, you know, have that funk on my face. So, <laughs> yeah, if if you could, you know, maybe chew some gum, take a yeah. tic tac, you know, some mouthwash. I'm OK with wh- whichever. Just you're going to need to handle that. Mm-hmm. I have heard, you know, just, you know, not from personal experience, but just like rumor around the Internet and everything that Morgan Freeman notoriously has some bad breath. I have not heard that. I have not worked with him, so I cannot uh, testify to that to that. But, um, yeah, I've I've been fortunate enough. Thank goodness uh, that I have been fortunate enough to not have that situation come in. So. Well, high fives on that. I, I'm a, I'm a knock on wood and hope that you never be in that situation. Thank you, because honestly, like if if it happened, I I would I would have to yell, look, cut his breath needs 
something done to it. <laughs> you can get one of the PAs in there with a, like a little spritz bottle with some mint. Just hit that up. Real yes. Quick. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, we talk about The Walking Dead and um, everything, how it's branching out and just becoming its own thing and whatnot. Another series to where um, I, I guess it's kind of done now is um, Game of Thrones. I think the uh, writer of the um, books and whatnot, the series was, you know, overtaking him. You know, it was the series moving faster than he could write the books. And then there was talking about doing prequels, which I don't think that's going down at the moment. But what are your thoughts on the Game of Thrones uh, franchise? Uh, Huge Game of Thrones fan. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Um. I was mixed on, on the finale. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those people who was just like, I didn't see it coming. But at the same time, I kind of did. Yeah. Um, I was one of those people that when Joffrey, you know, got poisoned, oh, like I, was, yeah. I jumped up and I was like, whoa, yeah, yeah. Die, motherfucker, die. <laughs> that, that was like one of the ones that I was waiting on i mean i was actively rooting for that shit to happen you know and it, it is right i know you should feel bad because it's a kid but it's make-believe so i don't give a fuck <laughs> exactly exactly i was just like oh my god thank you lord he's finally gone and the guy who plays him is such a sweet person mm-hmm. so after i after i saw that scene and i actually met him at a at a comic-con i was like Oh my god, I feel so bad that I cheered his death. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry I cheered you to die. And he goes, No, I totally get it. I was an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta be self aware when you you're acting in roles like that or whatnot. But that that was uh I think you touched on it in one of your interviews as well, is like people, you know, latch on to these characters and they kinda don't separate the character from the actual person and whatnot. And that can be problematic sometimes. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've I've had friends of mine that have done, um, you know, they've been uh, like a serial killer in uh, a movie and somebody like they actually lose friends over it because people, you know, are like, I can't believe that, you know, you can go to those depths. And he's like, I was playing a character. What are you talking about? So it's, you know, it's funny that it's not really funny, but it is funny because, you know, you do get typecasted. You know, it's, you are good at playing a victim. You're good at playing the girl next door. You're good at playing a serial killer. It's, you know, so people don't see you as, as anything else. You know, when, when Tobin Bell um, played Jigsaw, you know, he, from interviews I read, he had a lot of hate from, you know, after he played that because people were so upset with him because he was Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and uh, I mean, what, do you think he was justified? I mean, the character. I think that the character Jigsaw. I understand why he did it. It's kind of like you know when you when you're young, you want to be Batman. You want to be Batman. You want to be Batman. Mm-hmm. But as you get older, well, the Joker makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I mean. Uh, I mean, really, the Joker just makes more sense when you're older. So it's kind of like you you do this kind of shift thing. So you know, as as you know, I, I I can understand why some people would say, "Oh my God, he's a horrible person," but I can understand why he why he felt he was justified in and doing the actions that he did. Okay. 
Now, as it goes with uh, film and um, television and whatnot, if you can, you know, kind of solidify your career from here on out for probably over the next 10 years, which avenue would you rather it be in film or in television? I mean, I wouldn't mind doing half and half. Um, Cheater. <laughs> <laughs> because they both have like great um, pros and cons to them. I mean, with movies, you know, you're gone for, you know, well, I mean, even with TV shows, sometimes you're gone for months at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and TV shows, you know, can last longer. They can also be, you know, you can get canceled very quickly. Yeah. Um, I would probably say the movies because I I love the aspect of being able to go and work on a movie for like three months and then be able to come home and have a little bit of downtime and then, you know, maybe go back out and have something else, you know, for six months and then come back. So I, I think I would say movies. Okay. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Um what are you watching now as a reference to, you know, maybe, you know, help you home in your craft and as being an actress and whatnot? I mean, are, is there any particular actors that you're studying or a certain genre of films or TV shows? Or? I watch a little bit of everything. Um, I've gone back and started watching Breaking Bad. Oh, uh, have you seen El well, Camino yet? I have not. So me, me no neither, spoilers. Me neither. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it either. I mean, I've seen all of Breaking Bad, but I have not sat down and watched El Camino yet. Well, it's funny because the uh, the writer of uh, Breaking Bad, El Camino, all, all that, uh, Vince Gillian, he actually went to the same high school I went to. We 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 didn't go at the same time, but he actually is from Chesterfield County in Virginia, where I'm from. So watching Breaking Bad, there's a lot of like you know hits towards virginia and i'm just i and i get to chuckling because i'm just like oh i get that i i get that i get that i get that you know these all these references so um but i i do like watching that um i'm also a huge uh friends uh fan i think uh the way jennifer aniston went from you know doing comedy in front of a kind of a live audience i mean that's really hard to do mm-hmm. you know being an actress itself is is hard obviously because you know everything you've got a thousand things going on around you and you're trying to you know do this scene you're trying to get into the moment but doing it in front of a live audience i mean there's no like redos on, on, on that kind of stuff. Like if you don't, if you miss your mark, then the joke's kind of like just dead in the water. So, and I love how she did that. And then she kind of transitioned into movies and the movies that she's been in has kind of been all over the board. And I think she's such a strong actress and I absolutely like adore her. I think she's like my idol and that is how, that is who I hope to to be one day is Jennifer Aniston, and I hope I look as good as you know she <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah. So that's who you. <laughs> when wanna, I'm for age. <laughs> yeah, so that's who you want to be when your your acting career grows up and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I, I think she's I think she's phenomenal. I mean, she's got she's got the comedy aspect of things she could do. I mean, she was in you know a horror movie you know early in her career. I think she's done a lot of like really cool things, and she's one of those people that has a night really not been typecasted. I mean, she's, she's really broken out of the box. I mean, if you look at, you know, horrible bosses, I mean, that is a completely like different character than we've seen her in. I mean, she's a seductive, you know, kind of 
rapey boss. <laughs> but it, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to watch her do this. And, I, you know, I, I just I enjoy watching a lot of different things because, you know, I'm always looking at the background people. I'm always looking at the main actors. I'm always looking at. Okay, when the scenes are put together, is there any continuity errors there? Yeah. And and friends, there is. I of course. There's a few. <laughs> now, um, as far as being an actor and everything, and I've I've heard you touch on this before, and I can speak speak to it in a small instance because I've done you know bit parts and whatever. For me, it's hard to just be in the scene. And, you know, kind of convey emotion and whatnot. Case in point, I was in a scene to where I was sitting at a, a table. We were having a meeting. Our police chief was giving us a brief and everything. And somebody came in and told us, you know, they were shutting our case down. Yada, yada, yada. You know, just pretty much raining on our parade. And for me to convey that emotion that I was upset that they taken our case away from us after we worked so hard, it didn't really translate too much on there. I just looked like a dope. <laughs> on TV or whatever. And even though I didn't have any speaking lines or whatever, but I just, my facials weren't there. So how important is that on top of, you know, knowing your lines and, you know, kind of getting your point across being an actor, actress? It is so, oh my God. It It, is, it can be rough. It really can be rough. I, uh, I recently filmed this movie uh, for a film festival project 21 and we did uh, our film on human trafficking mm. and so my character i play the main character zoe and she's dating this guy who ultimately sells her to this madam and the madam's goons end up raping her right in front of this guy well in the middle of the rape he gets upset he leaves you know the hotel room all in all he ends up saving her at the end but you know trying to have these facial expressions you know when this right before the rape scene and you know the rape scene's coming up so you're just yeah. kind of like you got it in the pit of your stomach but you're trying to show like that you're clinging to this guy who you, you know you still think loves you and and everything and you kind of have like these three big dudes coming at you and they're looking at you like prey. So you have to kind of look a little scared, but you're trying to, but you feel comfortable because this guy that you love is right there. There's a whole lot of emotion and yeah. it's just like, okay, when I look at him, I need to look loving. And then when I look at them, I need to look scared. And so, you know, and looking at him loving, I'd be pissed. I was like, motherfucker, <laughs> look what you did to me. <laughs> well, see, at the time, I didn't know it. So I'm like looking at him all loving, like, oh, Xander, you're like the best. You know, I don't know why you brought me to this, like, you know, really sleazy, sketchy m motel. But, you know, all right, well, you want to party? Let's party. And then afterwards, you know, the, the, rape, the rape scene was the hardest. Yeah. That was absolutely the hardest, you know, because I had one guy... Um, on top of me and uh, one guy on the right side of me, one guy on the left side of me. And what they did was they showed the beginning part of it. They didn't actually get into anything because the camera flips to my point of view. So you actually don't see anything from me. But as I'm doing this and I'm trying to struggle and they're like, and, and the director's like, all right, we'll remember, you know, 
they've drugged you, you know, you got like a roofie or something. So I couldn't struggle too much, but I was trying to struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And of course there's like, you know, lights in this hotel room. There's like 15 people watching this scene. The AC is not on in the hotel. So by the time they yelled cut, my face was bright red, my neck and my chest were bright red. And you could just hear a pin drop. It was so quiet after he yelled cut. And so I popped up and I'm like, did you get it? Are we done? <laughs> like I had to break the silence and everybody is like, after as soon as I started joking around, everybody's like, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. Like I'm totally fine. And I think I was nervous about it, but I think I was more nervous about it because I wanted to do the part justice, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm sure that there's people out there that are going to see this film and have had a traumatic experience. And I wanted them to to know that, you know, it's okay, you know, yeah. I understand your suffering and, you know, you're a strong person and we're going to get through this kind of thing. And, you know, you know, rape is bad, but luckily in that whole make believe scenario, you didn't find nobody upon you with no funky breath. So, I mean, kudos. <laughs> uh, you know, they did not have funky breath, but they definitely have hot breath. Um, <laughs> it wasn't funky. It was just hot. Like, and so, but you know, it was just like, okay, I'm a little claustrophobic, but let's get the scene over with. And afterwards, everybody's like, I can't believe how, how well that went. I can't believe like how real it you looked. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's my job. Yeah. Is it, what, 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 did you expect something less? I mean, right <laughs> now, now, what are you trying to say? Yeah. So now me you say you filmed this in a hotel or whatnot so obviously there's permits and you know permission to be had and whatnot i'm just figuring as a guest i mean did they block off certain floors or rooms around this room or whatever because you know i'm coming in as a guest to this hotel and i got the room next door to y'all filming some shit like this i'm like what the fuck is going on over there (laughs) well i actually joked about it when we were standing outside i was like you know somebody's gonna call the cops and be like yo this bitch is getting raped next door y'all need to send somebody luckily we didn't have to have the cops called the the owner of the hotel and the manager both knew you know what was going on so we were pretty safe we didn't have the cops called um so (laughs) like i said it was kind of a sketchy hotel anyways so yeah they were it's probably something they might be used to like i I don't want to condone anything Mm -hmm. of of that but you know unfortunately that happens and i mean you you can kind of tell i mean did did they charge you rent by the hour (laughs) (laughs) well actually we got the room donated to us for the project but uh yeah it was definitely one of those hotels that you know you you, actually you probably rent rooms by the minute (laughs) oh yeah yeah, I, I do rent rooms by the minute. Um, <laughs> all right. But anyway, on to other things. So you already said that horror is somewhat your favorite genre or whatnot. Um, Absolutely. So what is your top? Do do we go top three or top five? What, what's your top three or top five? What, which you get we, we can go. We can go top five. Okay. What's your top five scary movies? All right. Um, My first one. It's not scary. It's it's you know eighty slasher mm-hmm. is Nightmare on Elm Street. Word. So um, is it so you much, know? Is it so much a particular film, or is it just the character itself? 
it's Freddy himself. Like, yeah. Freddy is hilarious. I mean, if you think about it, you know, in the third one, when he says, welcome to primetime, bitch, and he, like, <laughs> shoves the girl's head into the TV set and kills her. Like, who does that? Who says these sort of things right before they kill somebody? So it had both that kind of like humor and what's going to happen next kind of thing. I mean, it was, you know, it was huge for its time. You know, now you look back at it and, you know, of course, the graphics mm. aren't as great now, but, mm-hmm. you know, we've come a long way. Yeah. Um, but I think Robert England is phenomenal. I would love to work with him one day. He was a great Freddy Krueger. Uh, he's I mean, he's been a great everything he was a great mayor buckman in uh 2001 maniacs and that would be my second choice (laughs) that was a weird movie as well i i I, um they put the dude the spike up his button and it came out his mouth that was weird and yeah (laughs) it's this is a throwed ass movie but um damn that kind of threw me off i forgot what i was about to ask (laughs) (laughs) um so, all right, yeah, that was that's number one. What's the number two? So, number two would be the two thousand and one Maniacs. Okay, so number three. Number three. Let's see. Uh, I'm gonna go with Michael Myers, Halloween. Okay. Um, and it has to be like, you know, John Carpenter's Michael Myers. Okay. The and original. I'm not talking about Rob Zombie. I'm talking about the John Carpenter. You know, and the and the and even the ones that that Danny McBride has done. You know. The last, well, the one that they just finished filming and then the one, you know, that came out a, a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Michael Myers is just downright creepy. He doesn't say anything. You know, he's walking around wearing a jumpsuit, this, you know, William Shatner mask. I mean, yeah, it's, he's just creepy and he stalks people and it's just, I don't know if I... Well, yeah, I would run the other way, definitely. <laughs> well, um, my wife and fellow fellow Virginian is uh, adores the Halloween franchise. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting here and I'm looking up at the both franchises that you just mentioned: Nightmare on Elm Street and all the Halloween movies up here, and they're just sitting there, just like, "Hey, we here, we like them too." <laughs> and um, you know, I was prepping for this interview and whatnot. And uh, she heard that you were from Richmond and she's like, oh, actually, if you know where Danville is. Yes, I know where Danville is. <laughs> exactly. So that's what <laughs> she, she said. That's what you would say. So there you are. <laughs> so what we got for number four? All right. Number four. I'm going to go with a probably a man who has some stank ass breath. We're going to go with <laughs> Jason Voorhees. I mean, you're hitting the classics up right now, which once again, I look up to my left and the you know friday the 13th franchise box set is sitting right there right next to the other two i actually have a um i love new york with the jason coming through it which was banned when the movie you know came out because the new york tourist um was like, no, we're not having you take our, you know, our I love love symbol. Yeah. <laughs> Besmirch it. <laughs> exactly. So I actually have that poster and it's such a rare poster, but I have it framed and it is my one of my most prized possessions. Um, so I would either have to say that one with, you know, when Kane Hodder played uh, Jason or uh, in six when CJ Graham played uh, Jason. I actually met CJ Graham. Sure. And let me tell you, he is a tall 
he's a tall boy <laughs> and he was super nice, but he was a little overwhelming. Like I actually got to talk to him um, before he actually got into his Jason costume. Is that him in your profile for Skype? Yes, it is. <laughs> that is him. And let me tell you, my face looks like that because that was a real machete. Oh, shit. Yeah. So like. He remembered who I was. So, you know, he's like stroking my hair, stroking my hair. And all of a sudden he grabs the back of my hair and I'm like, all right, it's go time. <laughs> and he puts the the machete to my throat. And I was like, oh, shit, that is a real machete. <laughs> and so when I'm like, like this, like, oh, God, don't move. They took the picture and I'm like, I hate all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it at least was it the blunt side. I can I can tell because the picture small. So I can't really tell. Yes, he he actually didn't. Thank God he didn't put the blade to me. But yeah, it was uh, it was the blunt side. But still, when you feel that yeah. cold metal against your neck, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> all right. So so this is where we hit the drum roll was number five. Number five would be Night of the Demons. Hmm. Refresh my memory. Okay. Um, so Night of the Demons has to do with uh, Hall House, um, old funeral home that's supposedly haunted that has like a little uh, underground creek around the barrier of it. So, you know, the demons can't cross over. Um, but it has to do with Angela and she goes there to have like a Halloween party. And huh. as... You know, as as normal with horror movies, you have sex, you die. Exactly. Especially in the Friday the 13th movies. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to have to revisit that because I, I, I think I may have seen it, but I'm not 100% sure. There's three of them. Um, the second one's probably my favorite. And then there's a remake with uh, Ed, uh, Edward Furlow or Furlong, who is also in the Terminator movies. Oh, word. Well, ter- yeah, two Terminator movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you say uh, Night of the Demons or whatever, and I automatically flash to one of my all-time favorites, which is Demon Knight, the Tales from the Crypt uh, movie. <laughs> yes. If, if I could pick a sixth one, that would, be my, that would be my sixth one. Well, you could pick a sixth one. Go ahead. Well, then we're going to go with Demon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> and now let me tell you something about that film. I mean, me and my wife thoroughly enjoyed or whatever. I have it here on my shelf up there. And <laughs> Billy Zane, one of the oh, Lord, <laughs> one of the first um, this is one of the first films that I, I actually recognize who he was. And I, you know, know who he is. I mean, I probably seen him in things before this, but this is the film that was like, hey, this is Billy Zane. Yes. So we had Comic Palooza here in Houston, Texas. It's one of the Southern's most biggest comic book conventions ever. And he was on slate to be there. And I was losing my shit. So I was damn tagging him in posts when I was doing the marketing for Comic Palooza because I was a part of it for the podcast portion. And every time I would do a, a, a plug for it, a post for it, I would tag Billy Zane. I would mention Billy Zane or whatever. And then when the day was coming down to it, he canceled. And I was like, it was my fault. I, did, I, <laughs> <laughs> I overdid it. I was sad about it and shit. And cause I wanted to meet Billy Zane and I wanted to talk about B- demon night and everything. <laughs> no, I understand when I went to uh, galaxy con back in, uh, June, I believe it was here in Richmond, Linda Blair was going to be there. So I was like, oh, my God, like I'm like totally like geeking out and everything. So I was posting stuff on on Twitter, you know, and I was like tagging her in it. And then I get there and they're like, oh, yeah, she canceled. And I'm like, 
this is all my fault. I did this. So I, I get it. I, I feel your pain. Yeah. And, and what kind of made me mad about it is like, not only was he not there, but he was there in the city because he had other engagements that same weekend. I was like, you son of a bitch. You took it from me. <laughs> you took it from me. <laughs> but and speaking of conventions and, you know, comic cons and all those things or whatever, it's something f- very new to me. Um, I just finished up my, I think, fifth one ever in my whole life, which this all just started for me last year. <laughs> 2018 and um how do you how important do you think these conventions and cons and fan meet and greets are to you know what it is that you do your your profession uh, acting and movies and television shows and whatnot oh i think they're super important because i mean honestly without the fans you're just a normal person who's doing a normal job i mean he, it's the fans that make you who you are, really, that make you a household name. Because, you know, you have like, oh, my God, it's Johnny Depp. Oh, my God, it's Brad Pitt. I think these cons are super important because it allows the fans to feel like they are meeting their their heroes from like Supernatural or Smallville or Vampire Diaries or, or anything like that. I, I just I think it brings, you know, the fans together. As a, as a whole, but I also think that it brings the fans, it makes the fans feel like they're part of the show. Mm-hmm. Where we just had one here not too long ago, um, the pandemic tour came through here to Houston, Texas, and they had Sebastian Stan and um, John, I can't, can never say, it, uh, the Punisher, the new guy, John. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they had them there or whatever, and it was just a, a big turnout just for those two. And I kind of felt bad because they had your boy from uh, freaking uh, This Is Us. Oh, I forget his name, too. <laughs> um, he was in freaking Daddy's Boy or whatever. Um, what is, what's his damn name? Got uh, He plays Jack. Freaking Milo, Vin, whatever the fuck his name okay, is. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Why was, is he my boy? Why is he my boy? Because he acts and you're an actress. So, oh. I mean... I, I don't do that, so that I, I so, so he's automatically my boy. Okay, exactly. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he was there next to them because those two were together, and it was just like a mob of people trying to get to those two or whatever. He was over there, just like crickets and shit. And I was like, man, that sucks, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because I like the guy or whatever, and you know, he, he's done some notable things and whatnot. It's just it's like, I mean, you like who you like, I guess, but still it was just like everybody was over here and nobody was over there and i just personally felt bad because i was like i always when i see something like that in real life it i put myself in that scenario as well i was like what if that was me what the fuck would i do in that situation would i just go over there next to him and just stand there and fuck around (laughs) try to sway some people over to my side or whatever i don't know probably would i'd be like hey you guys need to come talk to him he's pretty amazing yeah don't don't worry about them they're, they're not cool worry about him he's he's badass yeah <laughs> they had the weasley twins there from the harry potter oh lord <laughs> they had your boy uh I, and there he's your boy too from um <laughs> stranger things he just died not not um i keep forgetting names um oh yeah i know who you're talking about Motherfucker from uh, 
What is that shit? I'm blanking. Ah, my brain. <laughs> it's the it's the cold, I swear. Um what is it? What is it? You're not helping. You're being quiet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like blanking on his name too. I'm oh, like fucking. Now I got to pull up IMDb. I try to remember shit, and I got a bad memory, so I'm failing myself twice. Um, sh- uh, freaking Sean Aston, Bob. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Yeah. He was there too, and he had like a big crowd. They had the guy to do the voice from the fucking Mario video game, which was weird to see, like him and the Mario voice and sounds come out of his mouth. That was kind of creepy for me. <laughs> yeah, that would be a little creepy. I mean, it's like, you know, when you think about Mario, you're like, I, the Mario I grew up on, I don't remember Mario really talking, so. Yeah. All I remember was like, whoop, here we go. It's me, Mario. And he was, It's me, Mario. And he was doing all that, and I was just like, ah, this is weird. <laughs> And then at the same place, because I am a big fan of professional wrestling, um, there was uh, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. They were at the okay. t- at the time of the current Universal Champion and Seth Rollins and the current women's uh, Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch. They were there, and I got some semi-viral success off of that because I was a part of the. Um, I was there for the panel that they did. And Seth said some controversial things toward another wrestling promotion. And I had the video and I was the one that uploaded it to the Internet. And, you know, it got shared all those other places. And I got a little bit of credit for that. So I was like, yay, I did a thing. (laughs) Oh, so you're the one who starts shit. Okay. (gasps) No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't me. I swear. (laughs) Well, if it was in a good context, yes, it was me. But all the bad parts, no, it wasn't me. So, yeah, now to backtrack all the way over to your top five or whatever, we already seen we already live in age and time to where we've seen Freddy versus Jason. And and, then before I even go further, what do you think about that movie? I think it was I thought it was badass. Personally, I think they did it justice. I mean, it was something that everybody had been waiting for since Jason went to hell. And you see the Freddy claw come up. If you haven't seen it. You had long enough to see it. No spoilers. Uh, so you see the Freddy Claw come up from the from the ground and grab Jason's mask and pull yeah. it down. Doesn't so ja- Jason goes to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was waiting for the for the Freddy versus Jason. Everybody was waiting for it. So when it finally dropped, I thought it was such a great concept, and I'm glad that they kind of waited as long as they did to to put it out. Uh, but I thought it was a great concept. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to see Freddy versus. Jason versus like Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I think at one point in time, they were supposed to even throw Ash in there from the Evil Dead. Yes, they were. Yes. I don't know whatever happened to that, but they were. And I, and I would still be down for that. But out of the five that you picked there, you, you got uh, Jason, Freddy, and um, Michael Myers and whatnot. Um, we already seen Freddie and Jason. Out of Jason and Michael Myers, you know, they had an arm wrestling contest. Who do you think would win? Um, hmm. I mean, that, that's a tough one because, I mean, we've seen Jason punch through and rip off and do all kind of manner of, you know, feats of strength. But Michael Myers has cars and all kind of other manner of things dropped on him. He fall off buildings. He gets shot multiple times and he just don't want to die. <laughs> 
So I mean, well, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you one thing that CJ Graham told me um, at GalaxyCon. Mm-hmm. Real men use machetes. Word. Yeah, and a machete is bigger than the kitchen knife that is um, iconically linked to Michael Myers. So exactly, and I think that Jason has more like awesome kills i mean when he when he zips up the sleeping bag and he beats the uh person inside against the tree you know stuff like that i think i think that jason is a little bit more creative you know like like i said cj graham told me you know real men use machetes Mm -hmm. babies use outback steak knives okay so i mean we we, we got your answer without you giving the answer so there we are (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um in the horror genre i mean what do you think about Hellraiser versus Freddy? I mean, how who would um, come out victor in that fight there? Uh, that one, that one is tough uh, mm. because they're both. I mean, they're they're both immortal, so yeah. you know, I, it, I and Hellraiser doesn't sleep, so True. Freddy's kind of at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Freddy is, is more powerful in his dream world mm-hmm. than he is in the real world. So I would have to give that to Hellraiser. Yeah. All right. All right. And, then, you know, and the fun fact, I, I think I mentioned it on this show before, but like I was a scaredy cat, you know, as a youngster and everything. And I didn't really get into the horror movies. I didn't like them. I avoided them. You know, I did other kid shit like I played video games and went outside and stuff. But the first horror movie that I watched from end to end you know without covering my eyes and everything was um, Freddy's Dead that was my first horror movie yes and I I think out of the whole set I mean I think that's my favorite you know, be, not only because of that fact that was the first one that I watched end to end you know horror movie wise but I think out of the whole you know set of movies that that's I think the best one for me I think mine's probably, I think mine would probably be Dream um, Dream Warriors, the third one. Yeah. Because that is where you start seeing Freddy's, like, comedic side start coming out. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he stops being, like, this, um, you know, this, like, serial killer who just has knives for fingers and and all this and he starts becoming like he's got personality mm-hmm. and i'm sorry but if i'm gonna die in, in that sort of fashion i want some personality to go along with it <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah if i'm gonna die i want to go out with some pizzazz some flair or something exactly like you know i, I exactly I, I, that's what i'm saying like that's what i want i want my i want my killer to have a little bit of you know comic relief mm-hmm. word now um in your own opinion what is the worst horror film that you've ever seen in your life oh human centipede ah <laughs> now we just, i think i watched that on accident <laughs> i don't know i unfortunately did not watch it on accident it was like it was the worst. It was the worst thing ever. Yeah, and then like I punish myself too because I'm somewhat of a completionist. So if I start watching something, I I can't stop. I gotta finish it out. 
So we watched the first one. And then they came out with the second one. So I had to watch that. And then I didn't make it all the way through the third one. This was the only one that I didn't watch all the way through because I think we were watching it. And I think God may have saved me because the, <coughs> the power went out and, you know, we couldn't watch it anymore. And I just never watched the rest of it after that. <laughs> yeah, I got through the first one and I was just like, nope. No more. I'm done. That was. Blah. Yeah, I mean, and the second and the third one, just like if you thought the first one was bad, the second and the third one is they take it. They really take it to another level and everything. I mean, there's like ugh, even in the third one, it, I didn't watch it all the way. But the parts I seen, it's just like testicles removed from sacks and everything. And it's just ugh, it's madness. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> it's just horrible. I don't know, but people like shit like that. But yes, they do. You know, to each his own. To each his own. Exactly. I mean, we talked about movies for quite a bit of time or whatever, and uh, you are a fellow podcaster, just like me. So, what brought you into the realm of podcasting? Um, well, as an actress uh, or an actor, um, you're always looking for things to kind of put you outside the box. And I know a lot of actors and actresses kind of have their own podcast now. It's podcasting is becoming a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I just, I wanted to, so my first podcast is, is called Blood and Black Lace, and it's a true scary story podcast. And I grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries with my mom. And I thought Robert Stack was like super creepy. And I'm like, I want that job one day. I want to be creepy like him. So when I got the, when the idea was first brought to me about like, how would you like to do a podcast? And I'm like, I would love to do a podcast, but I want to do a podcast on my terms. I want to do this kind of podcast. And so there was born Blood and Black Lace. Yeah. So I, I had some friends that were in it and, you know, they kept telling me you should do it. You should do it. You should do it. You know, it kind of keeps your, you know, it kind of keeps your voice strong because, you know, you're putting yourself out there. People hear you. People are like, who the hell is this girl? Mm -hmm. And so more people look into you and, and, you know, acting roles can come from it and stuff like the voiceovers can come from it, stuff like that. And so then actually have a new podcast coming out um actually as soon as i'm done with this interview i'm actually going uh, to record my our first episode word yeah so what what is that going to entail um it's called the rosenbaum and gray hour and uh my co-host Lori and I are going to we're going to dive into paranormal experiences. We're going to dive into mental health, uh, general health, um, you know, family and friends issues. Just it's going to be kind of like a real talk for real shit. Word. I like that. Is that your tagline? That should be our tagline. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> real talk about real shit. That could be a t-shirt. Put it on a bumper Hell sticker. Hell yeah. See, I mean, you just 3%. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> 
you got it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think somebody else, you know, already trying to extort you for some um stuff. That motherfucker Delvin Cox. So you know, I, I oh, I'm, don't get me started on him. Oh yeah, let's get started on that motherfucker. <laughs> what, what you got some? You got some qualms? You got some issues with him? Because I, I take every opportunity to bash that bastard. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to fight him. I don't know why he just. I just want to fight him. He has a punchable. He has a punchable. I tell him face. that all the time. I'm like, I want to fight you. <laughs> he has a punchable face. I understand. <laughs> I love him to death. I, I love Delvin to death. But I want to fight him. Yeah, I mean, and I think I could win. Oh, see, I mean, that's saying a lot. Yeah. Actually, no, I know I could win. Bam, Delvin. I, if it goes down, I would like to officiate this fight. Um, I would heavily weigh the odds in your favor. So, I mean, you ain't got nothing to worry about there. I'll Jimmy rig the scorecards and whatnot. (laughs) But, yeah, Delvin is a good guy. And anytime I can say fuck you, Delvin, I do. He is. He's such a sweet. He's such a sweet person. I love him to death. And but I'm still going to punch him. Yes. Getting right in the kidneys. So with the. podcasting and everything or whatever um what were some of your early issues you know in the beginning of starting because uh what how many episodes are you in with the blood and lace uh well actually um before i came on this interview i was recording um episode 17 word so oh, you you almost uh legal <laughs> almost 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 legal yeah Word. <laughs> Depends so, on what state you live in or what country you live in, I guess. True, true. This is true. This is true. So, um, what what are some of the um the difficulties and the you know the the hiccups that you hitches that you ran into so far? You know, just newly getting into podcasting. Um, you know, just like audio. What's the best mic? Um, like editing. You know, making sure you get it out on time, adding music like because the first episode of Blood and Black Lace was it was so rough because, you know, it it was with um, my old co-host and we were trying to, you know, trying to get used to each other and trying to find a flow. And yeah, it was just it was so rough. But, you know, once we got used to each other, we had a pretty good flow and she's actually, you know, stepped aside from the show and she's going to go off and do her own thing um, and create another podcast about conspiracy theories. And I wish her nothing but the best. Mm -hmm. You know, she knows she's always welcome back to Blood and Black Lace if, you know, she wants to, I guess, spot, talk some shit. You know, I I would I would love it. Um, But I think that's what mainly was the was the uh, issue was you know finding your flow mm-hmm. finding your your niche audience and how do you how do you want to stand out from the crowd and i think the reason why we stood out from the crowd with blood and black lace is because here's two females who are talking about scary shit yeah mm-hmm. i mean you look on you look on tv and you see ghost hunters yeah they have a couple females on their team but it's mostly men mm-hmm. you know you look at ghost brothers men you look at ghost adventures, men. So I think that's how we kind of like, you know, got our place, you know, solidified was that we were two females talking about scary shit. Mm-hmm. Word, word. So h- how important do you think it is to have a niche? Because, you know, 
me personally speaking or whatever, this is the Random Rounds with Rob. We talk about any and everything, and I talk to any and everybody. So is my niche being random? So I don't know. <laughs> I think your niche is whatever you want it to be. It's It's whatever you are week to week. I don't think that I think there's some podcasts out there that have a niche like blood and black lace has a niche. It's, it's for anybody who likes real, you know, ghost stories and stuff like that. They are like, Ooh, you know, I heard about this place on blood and black lace. I want to go visit it. Mm. Stuff like that. I think with podcasts such as the new podcast I'm going to be on and yours, I think the niche changes Mm -hmm. based on the week and what you're talking about. Okay. So I think that that's kind of cool as in of itself is the fact that the niche is always changing because people never know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Now, what I find as being a professional wrestling fan is that wrestling is not like, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's just like a lot of people know about it, but a lot of people, I don't know, it's, I can't really explain it because like. All right, you asked my father or whatever. You've seen me from, you know, as as a baby all the way up until now. He has always known me to watch wrestling, but mm-hmm. he, he never watched wrestling, but he knew what it was, you know. So there's somebody that's, you know, cognizant of professional wrestling, but doesn't watch it. And then you have me, who is a person that, you know, watches it every chance that I can get different promotions, different brands and everything. So... There's, I believe there's more people who don't watch it, but know of it. And then there's everybody that, you know, just lives it. And wrestling is one of those things as a niche that's just, I don't know, it's weird. I, I said all that shit just to say it's weird. Because <laughs> I post a whole bunch of shit, but anytime I post something that's wrestling related, is I get the biggest responses and biggest interactions just from professional wrestling. So I actually used to watch wrestling back in the late 90s, like 99, back when, you know, Triple H and um, all of them were, were wrestling. The Rock was still on, you know, Kane was dating Tori and <laughs> then Tori went over to G- D-Generation X and stuff like that. So, yeah, I know a little bit about wrestling. Word. OK, so that's when you used to watch what made you stop. Um, it was hard to keep up with the storylines. Okay. That's um, I really liked, and, and I really liked when Stephanie McMahon was dating test. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did. I thought test was like super hot. Um, and then she went off and, you know, she quote unquote got drugged and forced to marry triple H. And then, you know, that whole thing. I think it was interesting, but I think the storylines, I think, I I think they kind of like lost something as, you know, time went on. I think it was really hard to really, you know, keep the storylines fresh. Yeah. And then I think is, you know, a lot of the top people running the thing, you know, times have changed and a lot of them haven't. So, I mean, just to change in society and they still got the old mindset. So it kind of convolutes the stories that they're trying to tell currently because they always thinking about old shit, you know? So yeah, that could, that could be an issue, but I've been watching through the lows and the highs and I just, 
It's just like a part of what I do. If you could now, you being an actress or act, what 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 is? Can I just say actor? Because I mean, it, it encompasses. That's fine. You can me. say actor. Because I feel like if you say actor, I mean that can be either or, you know. But so I'm like, for you, if the role ever arose to where you could be, you know, portray a professional wrestler on screen, would you do it? Sure. Why not? Yeah. I, I love I love the challenging roles. So hell yeah, I would do it. What would be your wrestling name? Um, <laughs> probably short stack. That. <laughs> so I mean, I'm like five two. So you know, I'm short. So I mean, you just as t- I mean, you just about as tall I- as Stallone anyway. So <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm just gonna run up under somebody's legs and you know, nut check them. <laughs> That's how I'm gonna win. Hey, I fight dirty. I don't care. I mean, but I mean, just long as the ref doesn't see you, because if the ref sees you, you're not going to win too much unless it's a no DQ match. Yeah, that's bullshit because they can use chairs. They can use tables. They can use, you know, two by fours. They can use all this shit. But you can't nut check somebody. I'm calling bullshit on that. (laughs) Yeah, but um, how much do you think podcasts will be ingrained into culture? 10 years from now oh i think it's going to kind of take over i mean i think more people are are moving away from from radio per se Mm -hmm. um like am fm radio and moving to you know amazon music moving to itunes moving to podcasting um so I think it's I think it's just going to just it's going to get more and more involved and and you know you have people that are moving from podcasting over to like the video side of things and you know some podcasts are getting their podcasts turned into TV series. Yeah. I, I think it is I think it is just going to take over a generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, and it's weird because we say in the next 10 years and podcasting has been around for a little bit over 10 years or so. Yeah. And I know today in 2019, November 10th, as we record this, there are still people here right now that do not know what podcasts are. And that just blows my freaking mind. <laughs> I mean, my mom's one of them. Like, whenever I tell her, you know, that I'm going to be on a podcast, she's like, what's that? I'm like, never mind. <laughs> and it's not even like, I mean, yeah, I can understand the older generation or whatever. If they're not, you know, too up to date on their technology, I can understand that. But I'm talking about like people my age, our age, that they yeah. still don't fucking know what it is. And then when you say um, I host a show. Or whatever, and they're thinking like you know they automatically think like how you were saying that you know traditional radio or whatever, which I can't even tell you. You know, the last time I really listened to radio. I yeah, mean, I can't tell you the last time I listened to radio. I usually listen to podcasts, or I'm listening to my iTunes. The only time that I really listen to the radio is when the kids get in the car because the podcast I listen to got a lot of cuss words, <laughs> so. I understand. <laughs> so that's the only time that I really had the radio on. And then I'm not really paying attention to it because I'm trying to hurry up and get to the hell, get to where we going so I can stop listening to the shit that's on the radio. <laughs> I get it. Yep. But now, um, I don't know. It's just weird. And it's, 
I think podcasting is almost like what public access television was back in the day to where if you had the time to do it or whatever, you know, they'll put it out there. And then, you know, it's cool because there's no restrictions on it or whatever. But, you know, we talk about in 10 years it being a thing. I kind of feel like it's going to find a way to get taxed, uh, you know, somebody trying to put a stranglehold on it or whatnot. And I'm not looking forward to that time. I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna be that bad. I don't know. We've seen some shit. <laughs> I mean that's true, you know. I, never never know this day and age. Exactly. I mean nothing is ever truly for certain here and now. That is one hundred percent truth right there. Yep. I mean, cause like as we speak, there are currently over seven hundred and something thousand podcasts out there but what's sad about it is a lot of them don't get past 10 episodes and i think there's like out of that 700 and some odd thousand podcasts i think the rate is like 30 percent of them are active and thriving so i mean it's weird i mean because you got the people that like i want to try this and they tried and they don't like it so i mean i mean and that's within your right to try something to see if you like it or if it's if it's for you and then there's people that you know they jump into it headlong and think they're gonna get famous in one episode and then there's like oh this shit sucks and then they just put it down and you know it's it's just weird yeah i mean a lot of work goes into a podcast i mean you know before you even start recording you got to get all the equipment you got to come up with a name you gotta you know open a soundcloud you know account you've got to you know find banners you got to find you know all this stuff so there's so much involved with it and the most important thing is the time to do it yes that and yes that and you know the and coming with time is the consistency you know just repeatedly putting it out however often you're going to put it out you know adhering to somewhat of a schedule and whatnot Exactly, because, you know, all it takes is a few missed weeks and your audience is just gone. Yeah. And um, another thing that I'd like to bring up about you, you write as well. And I believe I've heard that you um, you're writing a screenplay for a show or a series. And also, I think you brought up a point to where you said you wrote you write things for the podcast. I mean, how does that work? I actually write the scripts for the Blood and Black Lace podcast. Well, I write an outline okay, for the Blood okay. and because there's a lot of like research that goes into, yeah. you know, telling the story of, you know, these certain places. So I do write the outline. Um and then wherever it goes, it kind of goes. Okay. Um Talk As points. far as like the screenplays go, I have written um I currently have 6 screenplays in the making shit <laughs> yes <laughs> i stay busy what can i say I, I i i like staying busy yeah that should be your personal t-shirt or slogan i stay busy <laughs> right <laughs> my my personal tagline mm-hmm. so i mean some of the things that you got you say you got six projects you know that you're working on uh, trying to get you know funding and you know somebody to pick them up uh out of the six which one do you believe has the greatest success of, um, you know, going somewhere? Um, in fairness, um, 
one of them is about that I'm writing is about a female serial killer. Mm-hmm. So I think that that has potential because, you know, you don't see a lot of female serial killer movies out there because they don't get caught. Exactly. <laughs> um, but this one is like kind of like a girl next door, you know, cheerleader, serial killer. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, I think, you know, that I think that could go far. But the one that I'm, I've got a lot of hopes for is um, my screenplay about the Churchill Tunnel in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, I remember you talk about that. And that's kind of why I brought this question up. Go ahead. Elaborate. I, I, I like people to hear about this. I, I find it interesting. So back in October, on October 3rd, 1925, um, they were widening one of the train tunnels in downtown Richmond when it collapsed, burying um, the locomotive, the engineer, and at least two other people. They believe that there's more people down there. They just don't know. Uh, the fireman was able to get out, but he died shortly after at a nearby hospital. But the train is still buried there. They were able to, uh, after eight days, they were able to get the engineer out. And he was dead, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still bodies buried down there, plus the uh, locomotive itself. So my script is actually based on um, my script starts at the end of the civil war when, you know, the Confederates pretty much burn Richmond to the ground. So it wouldn't get into union hands and the union troops are marching into Richmond Okay, because it kind of, that's, that's where the whole story starts because that shows why Richmond needed so many like different train tracks. I mean, if you've ever been you know, if you ever go to downtown Richmond, there's a shit ton of train tracks. Mm-hmm. And so they use those train tracks to bring in building supplies to rebuild Richmond. So, um, so it, the story just starts there and it actually, the story ended up creating an urban legend, a well-known urban legend here in Richmond called the Richmond vampire. Legend has it that these people claim that they saw after everything that happened after the tunnel collapsed, this creature emerged from the rubble with jagged teeth covered in blood and ran off. And they say they chased him down to Hollywood Cemetery, which is a very well-known cemetery here in Richmond. And they saw him disappear into an old mausoleum by the name of W.W. Poole. So... Every like er, anybody who grew up in Richmond or grew up on the suburbs of Richmond, they know this story. You know, at least half of them have have broken into Hollywood Cemetery, you know, after hours and sat in front of W.W. Pool's, um, you know, mausoleum waiting for, you know, to catch a glimpse of this Richmond vampire. So. It's, it's a very well-known story here. So is Churchill Tunnel. You know, they say in October, if you go down to where the tunnel is and you put your hand on the concrete plug that they use to kind of keep people out, mm-hmm. you can hear screams coming from the from the other side. Now, I've done it. Yeah, I was going to say, because you, you, you were one of the ones that broke in there to try it. Huh? 
Yeah. <laughs> Statue uh, of limitations yeah. is passed. So okay. I can, I can, I can say, yes, okay. I broke into Hollywood cemetery. Okay. I was about to say, I was to say hypothetically, yes, <laughs> but actually no statute of limitations to pass. They, they can't, they, they ain't yeah. going to get me on nothing. Exactly. All right. Cool. So, I mean, to tell the story, but what ultimately you hope comes of this? Well, a few years ago, um, the history channel was here and th- there was talks of, you know, opening the tunnel back up, uh, getting the dead bodies out. Um, of course there were just bones now and getting the locomotive out. Well, when they started to dig, um, they dug a little hole and they, um, put a camera down there and they saw that, you know, it was pretty much filled with water and filled with sand. And they said that if we start to, you know, try to dig this locomotive out, the tunnel's going to collapse. Well, there's actually houses built on top of Church Hill. So they said that, you know, the whole hill could become unstable and, and fall. So my ultimate goal, and they said it would be $5 million to actually be able to stabilize the tunnel enough to get the train out. My goal with this script is really to earn that money to get the train out and and maybe not necessarily out but cut away part of it so it could be a memorial because right now mm-hmm. there's a there's a playground on top of church hill and there's apartment buildings right outside the entrance to it so it's like here's these people like that died in this tunnel and you guys walk around like, you know, it's nothing. And I feel like there should be a memorial there. I feel like there should be something there that memorializes these people that, that died. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my goal. I've, I've talked to um, a, a civil engineer who explained to me, you know, what would need to be done to kind of stabilize the tunnel as they dug out the train. I've talked to a metals expert who told me that since there's no oxygen down there, the locomotive is probably in really good condition. Hmm. Um, I've talked to, you know, the Virginia Historical Society. They're on board. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to get the funding at this point. Man, wouldn't it be like some, some throat ass shit? It'd be like um, there's no oxygen down there, so it's kind of preserving it. But as soon as you bust a hole in that bitch and the air get in it, just rust and wither away. That'd be some crazy movie shit. Well, yeah, it actually would. But he actually said that, you know, there was probably a little bit of rust, but not as much as mm-hmm. we would expect being yeah. down there for so long. So my, my ultimate goal is, and, I, and I've talked to the granddaughter of the engineer who died. And she's totally on board. You know, she's given me some, you know, mementos from him to use in the movie, his picture, stuff like that. My ultimate goal with this is to have it released on October 3rd of 2025. The hundred year anniversary of this tragedy. Man, so if it get green lit before then, you'd be like, no, no, no. Exactly. We gotta wait. (laughs) We gotta gotta wait. wait. (laughs) Um but but it's kind of like Richmond's Titanic. Everybody knows about the Titanic. Mm -hmm. And and the days after that this happened. I mean, Richmond was all over national newspapers. I mean, I, I found news articles all the way from Alaska talking about this tragedy. Mm-hmm. And if you go to people now who live here in Richmond, a lot of them don't know the story anymore because it's just kind of died. 
And that's great. And I think that that's really tragic because these people deserve to be remembered. They deserve to, you know, be given a proper burial. Yeah. And then you say people even there in the town don't know shit about it. I didn't even know about it until I heard it from your lips. So. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a really good story. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it would, obviously it would be filmed here in Richmond. Um, it's yeah, it's a, it's a story that's near and dear to my heart because I grew up knowing this story and nobody's done anything about it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very new story to bring forward for people. Word, word. Well, shit. I hope it works out. Well, and thank you. Yeah. High fives all around. So, um I think we've reached the end because um, I'm multitasking and I, I am listening to you. And so I don't want you to think that I'm not, but I, I've noticed. Uh-huh, I've, sure. <laughs> I, I've noticed on Twitter that your your co-host is uh, prepped and ready to go to record your first episode of your, your new podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> I, yep, she is. Yeah, but I don't want to hold you any longer. I want you to get to that and um, make that change in the podcasting realm. So uh, before you go, let everybody know what you got coming up and where they can find you on social media. Oh, my Lord. I've got so much coming up. Um, I have a couple different acting projects coming up that you guys will have to uh, check out my Twitter or my Instagram to see when and where they're going to be. My movie Transit will be coming out uh, here shortly, and I will put that up on my Twitter and be on YouTube as well. You could find me at Twitter and Instagram at Real Lindsay Gray. That's R-E-A-L-L-I-N-Z-I-G-R-A-Y. And that's both Twitter and Instagram, so I make it easy for you. And obviously, check me out on my podcast. Uh, the first one is Blood and Black Lace. And the second one is called The Rosenbaum and Gray Hour. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you ain't got a solo podcast called The Gray Area. <laughs> Don't tempt me. There you go. 3%. Remember that. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's been a pleasure to have you on. You, you, you have uh, given me some knowledge. You, you, you educated me. And um, we had a good time, I feel, anyway. I mean, what about you? You all right? I had a blast. Sweet. Uh, you should tell everybody that that you um, invited to the show. So <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm a big mouth when it comes to, like, you know, my interviews. And I'm like, hey, check me out. I'm on this podcast. Yep. So um, that's it. Uh, you've been a guest of the show. Uh, you know Delvin Cox, and I, I'm – I'm rooting for the day that you get to punch him in the face. Woohoo! And, <laughs> and uh, since you've been a guest, the door is always open for you to come back to, you know, shoot the shit, promote your next big thing. Hopefully it's the, um, about the train and whatever else. Uh, hopefully it's anything that you got going on that you put effort into and it succeeds. <laughs> so there it is. I will be back. I will be back. Oh, you, hold on. You got to do it Arnold style. I'll be back. <laughs> yes, that's as good as you're going to get. <laughs> I'll take it. And that was our guest. And I say our because it's not just my guest. It's your guest, too. You, you're getting to meet a brand new person that walks the face of this earth and everything. So, uh, Lindsey Gray, everybody. 
host of the soon to be uh, named gray area podcast but um it was great to talk with her and uh, hear her story and get some of her views and thoughts on things and whatnot and um cool beans happy birthday marines I just have to throw that out there again. The 244th year of the Marine Corps, baby. And um, also, big shout outs to our new sponsor. Uh, you heard it at the top of the show. You heard me awkwardly ramble through some uh, stats and everything. <clears throat> I hope that doesn't deter them off in our partnership or whatever. And I hope it genuinely helps some people who could use the product or whatnot. Or some people that are just looking to have a little bit of fun and everything on the weekend especially i know a lot of devil dogs probably been using it this weekend baby you know hoorah and all that stuff but anyway check out the sponsor for real for real both of them um it's just a temporary deal or whatnot so if you know it does well then you know they might hang around if not whatever and and, and I, i'll get into how this even came to be or whatever it's just that i watch uh, being the elite and it was a uh, a joke on there but i didn't know it was a real product so i come across it on twitter and they were um you know they tweeting about wrestling and everything and you know i love some wrestling and everything some good wrestling tweets were had by the blue chew account so i just straight up asked i was like hey man want to sponsor the show i like wrestling i like what you're talking about over there and um here we are. <laughs> so, yep, got me a couple packages of Blue Chew. I'll let you know how that work out. And then uh, hopefully this will roll over into some currency, possibly. I I hope I'm not dispelling so much of uh, the insides of the business or whatnot. But, you know, I keep it real with y'all. I'll let y'all know what's going on. So check them out. Go to BlueChew.com. Your first order is free. All you have to do is pay five dollars for shipping, and don't forget the OG sponsors, baby. The the actual family to the Random Rounds with Rob podcast, Hooks, Rubs, and Spices. Go to Etsy.com and look up Hooks, Rubs, and Spices, and you can get ten percent off your order if you use the promo code Three R Show. Also, the promo code for Blue Chew is Random. Random. So Blue Chew is Random, and Hooks, Rubs, and Spices is 3R Show. You're getting two wonderful products. And I was saying, these two could mesh together because, I mean, you get you get to cooking for your um, significant other. You blaze it up with some uh, Hooks, Rubs, and Spices. And they're like, mm-mm, baby. You, you, you cook me some good vittles and whatnot. And now, you know, I'm going to repay you uh, in kind with some, some uh, happy time and whatnot. And that's where the blue chew comes into play. You can satisfy the palate, you know, sexually and uh, culinary. <laughs> I don't even know if I said that shit right. But anyway, big shout outs to blue chew. Big shout outs to hooks, rubs and spices. So there it is. It's out there in the open. Two sponsors to the show. And, uh, you know, I couldn't have done that without you all, the listeners. So. As I depart, I'm going to just hit you with the same thing that I do all episodes is to let you know where you can find me if you're a new listener. So 3R Show on Twitter and hashtag 3R Show 
on Instagram and Facebook, Random Rounds with Rob. And you can go to randomrobcast.com to where you can find other ways to help support the podcast, where there's a Patreon, which I have changed the Patreon. So if you want to support, there's only two tiers, a dollar and $10. $10 is where you get some work out of me. You get extra episodes and all kinds of other manner of things. A dollar, you're just showing your support to the show. So, I mean, you got two ends of the spectrum. If you want extra content from me, if you want me to work overtime and, you know, on top of what I do from my nine to five and what I put into this podcast or whatever, you can get that for $10. That, that's my that's my fee for me to produce extra content for you. Or if you just want to support the show and help it grow in any other means and aspects, one dollar is all I ask of you. One dollar. One dollar. One that's all I'm asking for. You know, and you don't have to give your money, whether it be being a Patreon or buying merchandise from my merch store at randomrobcast.com forward slash merch, hats, T-shirts and the like. You don't have to spend a dime of your money. The best way, the easiest way that you can help support this show is write those reviews once again, I'm trying to get 100 reviews before my birthday, which is March 29th. Here we are, November 10th. My my military birthday is today. <laughs> it would have been great if I can get 100 by today, but my actual birthday, March 29th, I'm trying to get 100 reviews. Right now, we're sitting at 72. So we are almost there, baby. You know, get a friend to get a friend to get a friend to get up in there and um, let's get the rest of these reviews in there. Also, another freeway, which is on randomrobcast.com is uh, those Amazon links. Just click on the link. It'll take you to Amazon. Save that as your favorites, because every time you use that link to buy something from Amazon, I get a little kickback. You don't pay extra. I just get a little, hey, Rob sent them here. Cool. Here you go, baby. So that's some free ways that you can help hook up the show. And uh I think that's it. Sponsors, people. Um, I'm trying to do things. Hope Schlosskis can jump on the train as well so you can get some hooks, rolls, and spices on your Schlosskis sandwich before you give her the other meat <laughs> or him or whatever, however you do it. But uh, anyway, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.